Good evening, everybody. Hi, uh, my name is Rob. Um, as has already been um, previewed, um, I'm one of the leaders at the Crowded House in Sheffield, um, and um, it's good to see you all. It really is. Um, last time I um, visited Rotherham Evangelical Church, you were in a much smaller building, um, and uh, this is um, quite an amazing space that you're in. Um, also, uh, it's just great to be here because it does feel like I'm amongst friends. Uh, some of you I, I know fairly well, some of you I recognize, and some of you are completely fresh faces to me. Um, but it's a joy here, and it feels apt to be talking about friendship, um, uh, coming to such a friendly bunch of people. So um, it's good to be here, um, and um, a joy, isn't it, to be getting into God's Word, which gives us um, so much wisdom for this important topic of friendship. Let's uh, seek the Lord's help, shall we, as we come to his word. Let's pray. Uh, Lord God, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it um, is a lamp to our feet. Thank you that it gives us and reveals to us wisdom um, of how to live well in a world where uh, sometimes it's difficult to know how to live well. And we thank you, Father, that it reveals to us Christ, wisdom, from God, and we pray that um, you would reveal him to us as we look at this um, important topic uh, in these next few minutes. Uh, we ask it in his name. Amen. I wonder what um, are the most powerful forces in determining the person that you will be. I wonder what the most powerful forces have been in making you the person you are. What forces are going to shape you as you continue through life? I wonder what answers we would give to those questions. Perhaps our genes, what we inherit from our parents. Perhaps you're just like your dad or just like your mum and, and you think that is the thing that's going to shape you more than anything else. Perhaps our upbringing the kind of family we grew up in, what it was like, what our parents are like, what they taught us about right and wrong and what's important and what's not important. Or perhaps our circumstances, just kind of the accidents and good and bad fortune that seems to fall our way in life, where we happen to live, the, the kind of how we happen to do at school, maybe a, a teacher you had or a teacher you have or don't have. What's going to make us the people we are? All of those examples I gave, our, our genes, our upbringing, our circumstances, those are all real factors. Those are going to be important. And yet, I wonder how many of us would have put our friends high on that list of shaping factors. If we're honest, I guess probably very few of us, we think of friends as being kind of like a, almost uh, like at the edges of our lives in terms of importance. And yet friendship is one of the most powerful forces in the world. It shapes the smallest details of our lives. And it shapes the grand sweep of human history as well. But unlike so many of the other things that shape us, things like our genes and our upbringing, 
It's something, friendship, that we have a degree of control over. The world is a complicated place, and often we don't know how to live well, how to live right. But one of the greatest, if not the greatest force we can harness as we kind of work our way through life are good friendships. So the first point is this. Friendships are powerful, so choose your friends wisely. Our friendships are powerful, so we need to choose them wisely. You've got some proverbs on the sheet in front of you. Listen to um, what the um, writer says in chapter 12, verse 26. He says, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Or 18, verse 24, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. This points to one of the most basic assumptions that, in fact, the whole Bible, in fact, teaches us about how to live well. The people you hang out with are the people you will end up like. The people you hang out with, the people you spend time with, are the people you will end up like. If you want to know how you're going to be shaped by your friends, then just look at what they're like. We see this reality all over the book of Proverbs. Chapter 4, verse 14 and 15, where the writer says, gives this strong advice, do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evildoers. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. Or chapter 13, verse 20, simply walk with the wise and become wise. The people you walk with, the people you travel through life with, the the companions you choose, the friends you choose, will shape us. So we've seen that Proverbs teaches it, and our experience confirms it, doesn't it? Think of the parents. How many parents have noted that their kid has gone in in what seems like a wrong direction, or a certain direction anyway, because he's fallen in with a bad crowd? How many teachers have noticed that some kids in a class just need to be separated because they're impossible together? So great is the influence they have on each other. How many scrapes have mates got into with their friends that they would never have got into alone? Lives are shaped by friendships. Destinies are forged. Even nations and empires rise and fall. We see it in the Bible. We see it in Solomon. Solomon was was almost certainly responsible for a lot of the Proverbs we have in the book of Proverbs. He was renowned for his wisdom. And he knew that friendship was a history-shaping force. Human history, even on the grandest stage, is littered with stories of poorly chosen friends. I hope I sincerely hope that Kim Jong-un and Donald Trump have chosen some good friends. Because I I fear that if they haven't, then that's going to be a significant influence on what happens in the world. 
Friendship is powerful, so choose wisely, carefully. I think that's an important point, and I hope you're not thinking it's just too obvious, you know, I know this, because actually I think it contradicts what the world says in all kinds of ways. I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. I think first, we, we do underestimate the effect that other people will have on us. Not just our friends, actually, but certainly our friends in our day and age. Because we, we are often kind of proud individuals. We, we think that we are strong, that we are the strongest force in our, in our lives. We kind of imagine ourselves as kind of proud granite islands. That we can withstand the influence of others. We think we determine ourselves. Of course we do to an extent, but it's more likely we're going to forget the reality that we are shaped. You and I, we're not that strong. We are shaped. And secondly, a second way that this wisdom contradicts the world's wisdom is this. I think we underestimate the responsibility and the opportunity we have to choose our friends. I think we think that friendships, a bit like romantic relationships, are something that just kind of happen to us. They're simply a matter of chance or chemistry or shared interest. We kind of think we can't do much about who our friends are. But there is truth in that old saying. It's not in the Bible, but nonetheless I think it's true. You can't choose your family, but you can choose your friends. It's true. Choose our friends wisely. I'd say a good rule of thumb is don't aim to have lots of friends, but aim to have a few good, well-chosen friends. Now, who might those people be, though? If we're going to choose our friends wisely, we need a bit of help, don't we, kind of identifying what those friendships might look like, what those individuals might look like. So let's move on to that. Good friends shape each other by their honest words and loyal love. Honest words and loyal love. How can we tell if our friendships are those that respect the power of friendship in a complex, often confusing world? Now, Proverbs has quite a lot to say about that, but I think the two notes it sounds most insistently is these. Are your friends honest and are they loyal? Do they tell you the truth and do they stick with you when times are tough? And in fact, if you want to ask yourself, if you're a good friend, that's a good way of thinking about it. Am I honest and do I love in a loyal way? Now, the two are connected, honesty and loyalty, but let's take honesty first. Now, since we're being honest, let's face facts. We don't always want to hear the honest word, even from a friend. Um, It kind of offends us sometimes. But listen again to the writer of Proverbs, chapter 27, verse 5 and 6. It'll be on your sheet. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy 
multiplies kisses. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. In other words, better better someone tell you the truth, even though it's difficult for you to hear, than for them to pretend that everything's okay. Or chapter 28, verse uh, verse 23. Whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. A rebuke is a good, honest word from a friend who you can trust. A rebuke is a word that says something like, you were being an idiot last night. Or, what were you thinking just then? Or, that wasn't a good thing you did. It wasn't right the way you spoke to him. And the great thing about a friend, a good friend, is that she can say that. Friends can say things others can't because they have proved themselves trustworthy. And it's not just about rebukes, you know, these these words. It's the full range of good, honest, wise advice that makes a good friend a good friend. Chapter 27, verse 9, it's also on your sheet. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. The pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Not just any old advice, not professional advice, their heartfelt advice, advice that you know springs from love and affection. And you see, the, contra- the contrast with heartfelt advice in chapter 27, verse 9, the contrast is flattery. Flattery is where you say whatever you think the other person wants to hear so that you can get on the right side of them. We need to hear this word on the value of honesty in friendship over flattery more than ever. The world says that we need to be told how great we are. Almost no matter what. If you've done something terrible, the world would say that what you need is to be, the way that will set you straight is to be told you're great anyway. For you to understand your true kind of greatness, your okayness. Social media encourages this as well. And so as Christians living in the world, we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful of, of being flattered all the time, as if those were the words from the most trustworthy people. Social media is an arena where, it's, it's a, one of many arenas, I've got to say, where friends flatter each other and often run down their enemies, the people they disagree with. It's not a place where you can expect to find and nurture good friendships. Oftentimes, it's the arena where we see more of the kisses of enemies than the wounds of friends. There's a good reason for that. I mean, which is to say, I mean, you know, if you have a difficult word to say to a friend, don't say it on Facebook. But nonetheless, we've got to recognize that that's not really the arena where the kind of deep and profound friendships that are going to shape your life are going to be played out. However, it is important, if we're going to understand this well, that we couple these honest words with loyal love. Because one without the other isn't going to make a great friendship. 
See, the reality is, and we all know this, again, from our experience, sometimes being friends with a particular person is going to be more fun than other times. But listen to the Bible's wisdom again. Chapter 18, verse 24. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Or 1717, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Or 27, verse 10, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Do you see the theme running through those verses? I could have picked out others as well. The ties of loyalty in friendship are compared in those verses with the ties that bind families. And the writer of the Proverbs reckons that in the end, good friendships carry obligations of loyalty which can even exceed those of family. We need to be reliable friends. People who are there in times of adversity. People who stick closer than a brother when things are tough. What does that mean? Well, that means that We need to be friends who will stick with our friends even when they're not easy to stick with. In fact, that's when friendship's tested, really. People who can couple honesty with loyal love. Loyal love means that the rebuke of a friend is never a threat. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? It never comes with a threat that the relationship is going to end or the friendship is in jeopardy. It's always a life-giving word. In our sin, we want to be the center of the universe. I do, we all do. It's just the way that people are. That's the nature of sin. And so we're tempted to view friends as something which are there to make our lives better, to serve our interests, to make our lives more fun, more fulfilling, more encouraging, to make our lives look better. But in a messy world, what should you do when your friend actually becomes a bit of a drag to be around? She used to be so much fun, now she's just miserable all the time. He's depressed. He's always asking for help. She's she's always tired and complaining about work. It's all become one way, we say to ourselves. What do we do? We stick with that person. That's what friendship's about. And the great thing about this loyalty-honesty thing is sticking with a person in that situation doesn't mean we flatter them. It doesn't mean that if someone's being foolish or or needs a, a strong, encouraging word, it doesn't mean that we just tell them how great they are no matter what, but we tell them that we love them. And we give them sweet, heartfelt advice. And we stick with them. Closer than a brother. So, brothers and sisters, the Bible's wisdom is not to abandon friends when they become difficult. Rather, press into them. Expect to be good for them. Expect your influence, if you are a good friend, to be good for them. And expect them to be good for you. But, just as we are not islands as individuals and we need friends, so friendships are not islands. The world needs good friendships. And that is our third point as we try and understand what it is 
to have a good friendship. Good friends shape the world by being open to the needs of others. Good friends shape the world by being open to the needs of others. A friendship cannot be a good one if it's not good for the world. That is, you know, for for a broader group of people than just you and your friend or friends. Remember, Proverbs is giving us wisdom for living in a complicated world, a world of competing needs, of sometimes unclear lines, and of tricky choices. So we can't talk about close biblical friendship without looking at some of the other obligations which we need to work out in our friendships. Think, for example, of the category of our neighbour. Our neighbour could be anybody, friend or foe. But listen to this. It's chapter 3, verse 27 and 28, if you're looking at the sheet. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it's when it's in your power to act, do not say to your neighbour, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. There's a potential conflict of interest there, isn't it? You might be having a special time with your friend and your neighbour may have a need which will disrupt the time with your friend. Well, the reality is that we're called to bless our neighbours, whatever they think of us, kindly and generously when they have need. And a friendship which leads us to ignore our neighbours, to say, come back tomorrow to our neighbours, is bad news. That's one reality in in a messy world. Another reality of friendship in this world is that friendship is not equally dished out. Let's be honest. Chapter 14, verse 10 is a dose of realism. The poor are shunned even by their neighbours, but the rich have many friends. It's easy to have friends if you're rich. If If you've got money in this world, the Bible knows, the writer knows, you will have a choice of friends. Not so for the poor. The average person asking you for spare change in the supermarket car park probably isn't having to choose friends. He's probably having to find them. And he's probably not having much luck. Now, why do I even mention this? The basic point is this. To live wisely, we fulfill obligations of love, not just to our carefully chosen friends. Rather, our friendships, if they're to be good friendships, should propel us out in love and generosity to our neighbour, to the poor, to the friendless, however inconvenient that might be. I think it just speaks to a risk. Again, it's, it's not particular to our culture, but it certainly is there in our culture that our closest friendships are things that we, we have this kind of, you know, the whole BFF, what's that, best friends forever thing? I'm too old to you to say BFF, but I know not everybody is. Um, there's this kind of ideal friendship, which is kind of, kind of a bit intense, special, sort of a bit therapeutic. Um, yeah. Think about what you talk about in your closest friendships. A good question to ask is, do you always boost, or dare I say, flatter each other 
while being quick to point out the failures of others. You see, that's the opposite of good friendship. That is a toxic combination of flattery and favoritism. A far cry from the Bible's lovely, robust, love-filled view of friendship. Friendships of honesty and loyalty and love and inclusivity. If your friendship isn't good for the world, then whatever needs it is meeting, it's not all that it should be. Friendship is powerful. We must choose our friends wisely and we need to respect the power of friendship. So what is the wisest choice of friend? That's our last point. The wisest choice of friend. The reality is this. And we know this. Even our best friendships aren't all they should be. They However good your friend, he or she isn't going to make you the person you should be. They'll shape you powerfully, but they won't make you right. And we all know in ourselves that there's a big disconnect between the sorts of friends we want to be and the sort of friends we are. It's as big as the disconnect between the sort of people that we want to be and the sort of people that we are. And there's another reality. Our friendships don't make the world all that it should be. The world is warped and twisted and messed up by sin. And our friendships, even if they're really great for the world, don't really scratch the surface of pain and brokenness and loneliness. But there is a friend. There is a friendship that can truly change us and change the world. Listen, brothers and sisters, to the promise of Proverbs 18, verse 24. We've already read it, which says, There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is gospel truth, good news. This is honesty for the flattered. This is loyalty for the lonely, and it's hope for the world. True friendship is available in one who sticks closer than a brother. We heard it earlier, didn't we? Uh, Joan read it for us. Those words of Jesus Christ from John 15, verse 13 to 17. I'm just going to read them uh, briefly again. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, he says, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, and I, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. And so he continues. Do you see his honest words? Everything I learned from my father I made known to you. He has hidden nothing. Do you see his loyal love? Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for his friends. 
And did you see blessing to the world? I pointed you that you might go and bear fruit, he says. This Jesus offers friendship to you and to me. And as we know, we need to choose our friends wisely. We need to respect the power of friendship. But here's the amazing thing. I think the amazing, most wonderful reality that there is that I want to share with you this morning, really. Because we say we need to make the wisest choice of friend, but what is the wisest choice of friend? What does Jesus actually say? You did not choose me, but I chose you. The wisest choice of friend is not in the end your choice of Jesus, but his choice of you. Does that not blow your mind? (laughs) If you're a Christian, Jesus has chosen to make you his friend, and he has chosen wisely. He has not made a mistake. He does not wish that he picked somebody else. Do you see where that leaves you today? See how happy you can be as a friend of Jesus. Happy because you don't have to worm your way into his friendship. You don't have to impress him. You don't have to show him your best side. He chose you. Wisdom himself, Jesus Christ, wisdom, has chosen you as a friend and he has not made a mistake. And what's more, he has done everything that is necessary to befriend to to befriend you, to make that friendship work, to guarantee that it will work, that it will be a blessing to you and to the world. He has promised, as your friend, to shape you and to make you like him. Isn't that great news? In your friendship with Jesus, if you're a Christian, you will not make him like you, praise God. He will make you like him. He makes us his friends through his loyal love. The loyal love that took him to the cross to lay down his life for you. He went to the cross not to make people he didn't know his acquaintances, but he went to the cross to make his enemies his friends. Jesus is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. Remember what we said before. Those we hang out with are those we will end up like. So, by way of really simple application, if we want to have good friendships, if we want to be good friends, let me encourage you today, if you're a Christian, to enjoy your friendship with Jesus. Enjoy his honesty. When he speaks to you, when you open up his word... He doesn't flatter you. He doesn't lie to you. He doesn't talk behind your back. You don't have to pretend with him. But his words, even when they're challenging, are the wounds of a friend. He knows you, and he has laid down his life for you. Complete honesty, loyal love. And finally, if you're not a Christian today, 
Wouldn't you love to have this friendship? Wouldn't you like to know this Jesus as your friend? It's amazing to think that you can get to know Jesus. You can hear from him, meet him in his word. Open up his word, the Bible. And I don't know if uh, you're here and you're a Christian, if if this comes across as good news or not, but the great thing is as well, if you don't know Jesus, then you can talk to one of the people who are becoming like him and have been his friends for a period of time. Chat to one of the people who are part of this church. Will we let Jesus' honest words and loyal love change our lives? Because they will. And change the world forever. I would love to be friends with all of you. I kind of am, you know. But I tell you, there's one who sticks closer than a brother. And that's the Lord Jesus. Let's pray.